Oramai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. The healing of ten people with leprosy is a familiar Bible story, and it would be good to think that 2,000 years later, the disease is just part of history. But nothing could be further from the truth. Before this programme has ended, worldwide, 14 people will have been diagnosed with the disease that, left untreated, can cause paralysis, loss of limbs and therefore loss of livelihood, with devastating consequences for people who are already the poorest of the poor. But Michael Hardy knows that it need not be so, and he joins us this morning to share some unique first-hand experience. And Richard Littledale is back with another box of breakfast cereal. But as healing is at the heart of today's programme, I thought we'd start with a hymn from John Bell of the Iona community. Original words set to a traditional Scottish air. We cannot measure how you heal or answer every sufferer's prayer. Yet we believe your grace responds where faith and doubt unite to care. measure how you heal or answer every suffer's prayer yet we believe your grace responds we're faith
For the last 150 years, the Leprosy Mission has been working worldwide wherever the disease is active, forming local partnerships to teach early diagnosis and treatment and provide care for people too damaged by the disease to care for themselves. Here on the island, the Leprosy Mission is a Manx-registered charity linked to the Leprosy Mission nationally by a community partnership manager. And this morning, we welcome Michael Hardy. He's only been working with the Leprosy Mission for two months, but he brings with him unique first-hand experience. But to find out more, we need to go back to your childhood, don't we, Michael? Yes, going back to my early, early days. My father was a sworn atheist, had a rather rough upbringing, and had decided by the time he was 18 that there could not possibly be a god um, based on what he'd seen in life and how his family had been treated. So he swore he would never go into a church again. About 12 years later, when he was 30, he had a dramatic conversion to Christianity. And uh, a couple of years later, he felt God said to him, are you willing to give up everything and follow me? And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever you want, God. And uh, within a couple of weeks, he saw an advert to run a carpentry workshop in Zaire, as it was then, now the Democratic Republic of Congo. So we moved to the middle of Africa. We lived in the middle of the rainforest, in the middle of the jungles. 500 miles to the west was Kinshasa, and 500 miles to the east was Kigali in Rwanda. And in between those two cities was a huge jungle, and we lived right in the middle of it on a missionary station that had been set up in the late 1800s, initially as a hospital and a primary school. When the doctor set up the hospital, he realized there was a big problem with leprosy. And uh, five miles into the jungle, in the middle of the swamps, they found an island where they set up a leprosy colony. And uh, that leprosy colony was where we lived. I was eight years old when we got there. It was 1986. So it was not long after the Live Aid event and the famine in Ethiopia. So everyday life for me was my, my sister and I, we, there was one other missionary family that lived five miles from us 
and uh, the the mum was a teacher so she taught her son and my sister and I so we would have schooling until about half past 11 and then we would play all afternoon go down to the river through the jungle it was just a normal childhood playing with the kids in the in the locality and that that was sort of our life really and um, yeah in the village it was initially established as a leprosy colony there were still I think about 26 leprosy patients that lived there they lived at the other end of the village to where we lived there was also the carpentry workshops where my dad was based and there was a bible school and a high school as well we lived sort of in tandem with the people of the village and i saw firsthand really the devastating effects that leprosy has on people where we were was one of the poorest parts of the world but the leprosy patients were the poorest of the poor leprosy causes disabilities as well while we lived in a, a slash and burn society where if you wanted food you had to go out and grow it or you had to go out and catch it they weren't able to do that they couldn't really leave the, the 10 meters around where they lived i mean they were they were really stuck where they were and they were very reliant on people to help them the leprosy mission worked in the area that we were in so the leprosy mission paid for a local nurse to look after them and the local church there would raise money to try and feed them as well it is a disease of poverty so where you find high malnutrition and low sanitation there you will find that leprosy spreads so it is amongst the poorest of the poor within our world really and i think since i've been at the leprosy mission for the last three months it's quite clear that that is still the case and it's still spreading as well so every two minutes somebody's diagnosed with leprosy is it losing its stigma in any way the leprosy mission has worked very hard for the last 150 years to give people a a reality check on what leprosy is there is a thought that leprosy is highly contagious it it's not it's only mildly contagious but the stigma is still there so I was reading um, just a couple of weeks ago about a lady in India who was diagnosed with leprosy. Immediately, her husband kicked her out of the house and moved with the, her children to the other side of India so that she could no longer have any contact with them. And I think this is happening still all over the world even today. The leprosy patients where we were, they, they didn't have any family. They'd been kicked out of their communities, kicked out of their tribes and their villages so they didn't have anywhere else to go so the only place they had was the the christian community that that looked after them where they were and the other thing that is so hard to work against is that it's seen as a curse that's correct you're absolutely right yeah i mean it feels weird to talk about it sometimes i think look look back to our time in africa and it feels like as far away as narnia is from this world in the next village from where we were our house was the first house in this village the first house in the next village was the witch doctor's village and everybody went to the witch doctor. They would all go there to get a bracelet off him, which would apparently keep the evil spirits away and protect them. Well, of course, it did nothing for them whatsoever. But there's such superstitions in those societies. Generally, we just didn't have much to do with each other. Ironically, the witch doctor actually sent his own family to the Christian hospital when, whenever they were ill. So, um, so he knew that, uh, <laughs> that there was a bit of fraudulent activity going on, shall we say.
I'm sure you're keen to know about the amazing experience that turned Michael Hardy's father from sworn atheist to missionary. And I have to say that Michael's own faith story is equally compelling. And I have both stories to share with you on next week's programme. But now let's find out about the Leprosy Mission's latest campaign that centres around the tea pickers of Bangladesh. Yes, in the tea gardens of Bangladesh, there are about 600,000 people living and almost every family is affected by leprosy. So there is a huge problem there. To try and get a grasp on that, I I looked up the population of Manchester, which is about 550,000. So if you could imagine everybody that lives in Manchester and almost every, every family being affected by leprosy, that's the kind of problem that there is in Bangladesh in these tea gardens. Staggering, isn't it? In Bangladesh, it is the highest concentration of leprosy in the world and is the highest concentration of leprosy transmission in the world as well. So while the leprosy mission this year will be celebrating its 150th year of treating people with leprosy, leprosy was only found in the in the tea gardens in 2017. So it's relatively new that we've been able to find it there. And it it's amazing, really, that you would think that the world was that well educated these days, that it would know what these things are. But the problem with leprosy, as it has been for years and years, is that the people with leprosy, they're hidden away they're either embarrassed to come forward themselves or their families hide them away because they're embarrassed to be to be associated with leprosy. So finding people with leprosy is always one of the most difficult things for us. We've got a mountain to climb, but it is climbable. There are health workers on the ground. We need to pray for more health workers and we need to pray for more resources to be able to get these drugs out there and to rehabilitate the people as well and to you know, some of them need operations so that they they regain mobility in their hands or their feet so that they can they can carry on working. A locker is one of the ladies that we feature in the magazine that you're talking about, and she has uh, lost the use of her left hand. She's a tea picker, so she can now only pick half the amount of tea leaves, which of course means half the amount of pay. As you can imagine, tea picking is not great pay in the first place, so she's struggling to 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 look after her family and is is really praying that someone will will provide the finance for her to be able to have an operation on her hand where it's a very simple operation. It costs only £120, but it will give her the use of her hand back again. And I must admit, I mean, I grew up with leprosy patients, but until until I saw this advert for the leprosy mission, I'd kind of forgotten about it. I didn't even realise it was half the problem that it is. Um, it's just amazing, really, that, like I said earlier, every two minutes someone's diagnosed with leprosy in the world. And it's in the poorest of the poor communities, the people who there is no social security, there's nobody else to help them. It's one of the 10 neglected tropical diseases of the world, which means that it's it's not got huge institutional funding behind it. Um, it really is largely down to good-hearted people in the West to, to donate and to help these people out. And it is another instance where a small amount of money donated can make a massive difference. Yeah, it goes a lot further than it would go in our own society. Yeah, The drugs are free of charge. It costs us about £24 to be able to cure someone from leprosy, and that is largely paying for distribution of the drugs to get them from the drugs company to distribute them around the world and then obviously we have to pay healthcare workers to administer the drugs as well. This is your first visit to the Isle of Man in your role as community partnership manager so obviously what you're needing to do at the moment is meet everybody and talk to Leprosy Mission Isle of Man. So what is one message that you would like to leave with people 
today. I think it's been a fascinating journey coming over to the Isle of Man. It's been lovely to meet some people just on the streets and in, uh, in the coffee shops and in the bars and just talking to people to understand the culture here. It's obviously a really nice place to live. What I'm really keen to do is to build some relationships with some of the businesses in town to find out other ways of supporting the leprosy mission. So it's not all on the church because there's a lot of good-hearted people who are making money and they want to be able to share that with people who need it. And, and these are desperate people who desperately need it. And so one of the things I'm keen to do over the next couple of years is build some relationships with some businesses to be able to help these people with leprosy even more. Thank you, Michael Hardy, Community Partnership Manager for the Leprosy Mission. And listen out for two very powerful and personal stories from Michael on the programme next week. And now it's time to welcome back Richard Littledale, author, broadcaster and retired Baptist minister. Richard is joining us each week during this season of Lent, the weeks of preparation for the celebration of the Great Feast of Easter. And very appropriately for this time of the morning, he's come along with another box of breakfast cereal. Do you remember the days when there used to be gifts in packets of breakfast cereal? Sometimes there would be little packets of cards, all wrapped up in rustly cellophane to stop the cereal from marking them. More excitingly still, some were actual toys. If you poured them out inadvertently, they would land in your cereal bowl with a satisfying plunk, sending cereal scattering in all directions. There were two ways to get at them, the quick one and the slow one. The quick one meant pouring out all the cereal into a large bowl, removing the gift and then decanting the cereal back into the packet again. The slow one meant taking your chances and seeing when the gift happened to fall out. A risky approach when you were growing up in a household with two brothers, as I was. Over these weeks, I have lined up a set of little cereal packets for us, like a variety pack. They may be small, but at least each one has a gift. All shall have prizes, as they say. These boxes each contain a portion of John's Gospel and a nugget for us to hold up to the light on these Sunday mornings in Lent. Let's have a look at today's one. Our box today has a picture of a cow on it. As a subject for a breakfast cereal box, it's not altogether surprising. After all, lots of people like a splash of milk on their cornflakes. This one is not quite as you would expect, though. This one is a close-up of a cow with its great big tongue wrapped around a mouthful of hay. More of that shortly. Let's tip the box out next and see what we have from John's Gospel today. These words are from chapter 6. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. 
Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This is my body, broken for you, bringing you wholeness, making you free. Take it and eat it, and when you do, do it in love for me. This is my blood poured out for you, bringing forgiveness, making you free. Take it and drink it, and when you do, do it in love for me. Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Filled with my spirit, how you will grow. You are my branches, I am the tree. If you are faithful, others will know you are alive in me. When all said and done, these are fairly unsavoury images. This talk of eating flesh and drinking blood is an assault on any ears, and especially on Jewish ones, whose owners were schooled from childhood never to eat meat with blood in it. As if that weren't bad enough, Jesus chooses his words very carefully here for maximum impact, which brings us to our nugget for this week, and that close-up of the cow on the cereal box. The word he chooses for eat is actually munch, a word you would usually use for a cow or sheep as it consumes its food. Why would he take an idea which is already offensive and up the ante even more? Maybe the answer 
is to be found in the response which he got. Some of the disciples found his words hard and puzzling, and others quite simply walked away. One of the harder truths as the tunnel of Lent narrows towards the cross is this. We would probably not have done it this way. But God did. We must accept the wondrous provision of the cross and all that it means on God's terms. Or not at all. Love one another I have loved you And I have shown you How to be free Serve one another And when you do Do it in love for me Thank you, Richard Littledale, and he'll be back opening another packet of cereal on next week's programme. And now it's time to take a look at our notice board, and we start with things happening today. And this evening, the Mariners will be in Peel Methodist Church for a service starting at half past six, at which Mrs Jean Guthrie will preach. And as usual, you're invited to stay on after the service for supper and community hymn singing. Sandygate Chapel on Jerby Road will be open again this Tuesday, March the 14th, for their monthly charity coffee morning. Pop in on Tuesday morning any time between 10 and noon and enjoy tea, coffee and homemade cakes. There's no set charge, but a little donation towards this month's chosen charity, Hospice Isle of Man, would be much appreciated. And also on Tuesday in the hall at the Abbey Church in Balasala, there'll be Lent lunches of soup, bread, cheese and fruit, served between noon and two o'clock. The Cool Chapel Lenten lunches are every Thursday, with a choice of homemade soups and desserts, served from noon until two o'clock. And this year, the Cool Chapel are raising money for Tear Fund Earthquake Appeal and the New View Manx Therapeutic Community. Also every Thursday, Lenten lunches of homemade soups and desserts will be served in St Anthony's Pastoral Centre in Ridgeway Road in Onken from noon until two. There's easy parking right opposite the centre and proceeds from the lunches are supporting the Cafod Earthquake Appeal for Syria and Turkey. Friday is the day to go to St Thomas's Church, just off the promenade, near the Gaiety Theatre, here in Douglas. The morning begins at 10am with a Lent morning prayer service. Then from half past ten, it's coffee and chat, followed by Lent lunches served from noon till half past one. And St Thomas's invite you to their special morning for Mothering Sunday, next Sunday the 19th. Come to church for brunch that'll be served from half past nine. Then stay on for the family service in St Thomas's at 11am. And whilst we're on the subject of next weekend, the Archbishop of York, the Most Reverend and Right Honourable Stephen Cottrell, will be visiting the island. There are two opportunities to meet Archbishop Stephen next Saturday. In the morning, he'll be in St Catherine's Church in Port Erin from 10 until 12 noon. Then, next Saturday afternoon, he'll repeat that morning session, but in St Paul's Church in Ramsey from half past two till half past four. 
Archbishop Stephen is a compelling speaker and he'll be sharing his vision for the Church of England on the theme, Becoming a More Christ-Centred Church. These sessions are open to anyone, everyone will be made most welcome and there'll be refreshments too. Then, next Sunday, the 19th, Mothering Sunday, in the Cathedral in Peel, Archbishop Stephen will lead and preach at the service starting there at half past ten. Again, everyone is warmly welcomed to this, but do remember if you'd like to be there but you can't and you have access to the internet, all services from the Cathedral in Peel are live-streamed. Just go to the website cathedral.im and follow the link on the homepage. And that's all that we have time for now, but I'll be back tonight at 9 o'clock for sundown. Your invitation into our virtual late lounge for a mix of easy listening music and a bit of nostalgia to round off your day. I'd love you to join me if you can. If you've got items for the notice board, do please email me, judithlay at manxradio.com. So, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening, and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. The nation station.